Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the 13th episode of the second season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. I am Kayla, one of your ghosts hosts with the most. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a very exciting podcast episode for you today. It's a topic we have not really... We've kind of mentioned it in some stories, but we haven't really touched on it. Uh, Today's podcast is about alien abductions. And Kayla, you are back with us. I'm back, finally. Sorry, I had COVID. I could not attend last time. It's happened to a lot of people. I luckily have not gotten it yet. Oh, you better knock on something. I've had it three times. That was my second, yeah. (laughs) I had it three. I just had it the third time. That is so awful. It was rough. I was down for like a week and a half. Yeah, it was was like probably like five, six days. (sighs) But then still, like even afterwards, you feel so tired. Yes. You still have annoying coughs. Yep. Yeah. So. Can't really do a podcast if you have all yeah. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, so. and it comes out of nowhere. So like, I literally woke up ready for a podcast, and I was like, "Fuck no, I'm not going to <laughs> yep. the podcast." I feel like I died. Like, yep. <laughs> I did my research the night before and everything, and then I went to work. The office was like, "You look really bad," and I was like, "Thank you for that. That's really <laughs> nice of you." And they're like, "No, like we're gonna take your temperature," and my temperature was almost 103, and oh they God. just about chased me out of the office. Yeah. I'm like, you need to go. <laughs> So I went home and tested and said, oh, oh, it's COVID. <laughs> yeah, great. Jeez. Just what you want to find out, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like it's been light years since we've all been back together, but we are here back together. So let's get into some alien abductions. Yes, please. Let's do it. Humans are a naturally curious bunch, and when we look up to the stars, we can't help but to wonder who or what might be out there. According to modern legend, aliens come for us in the night. They paralyze us take us on board a spaceship, strap us to a table for bizarre medical experiments under a harsh light, and they hover over us, either in silence or while chattering terrifying sounds. When we scream, they only stare at us with merciless, huge black eyes. This image is frightening enough in the movies. It's even more terrifying for the people who swear it really happened to them. Reports of these alien abductions aren't one mystery or just one thing. Instead, there are thousands of individual stories told by people. With thousands of stories, there have been remarkable similarities in people's accounts, despite having no prior knowledge of each other's existence. Some individuals who claim to have been abducted have been reported physical and psychological symptoms, such as marks on their bodies, alien implants, missing time, and a profound change in mood and behavior. Despite there being widespread skepticism against these people who have encountered extraterrestrials, many people remain convinced that alien abductions are real and that they offer a glimpse into the mysteries of the universe. Jordan, what was the first alien abduction case that you looked at? So this one I heard about in multiple um, podcasts and also they have a bunch of unsolved stories or whatever the heck that's called about Granger Taylor, the disappearance of Granger Taylor. So he was a 32 year old mechanical genius, even though he never graduated high school. He actually dropped out in eighth grade. Oh wow. He apparently had this insane, crazy ability to construct and repair a wide variety of machinery. Okay. Um, He invested all of his time being a mechanic, 
Around the age of 13 to 14 years old, he was a mechanic's apprentice. Wow. And yeah, like, can you imagine you're just 13, just being able to like figure out how a car is broken? I wasn't even and thinking of that it? kind of thing exactly. at that age. I was I'm out riding my bike with bugs and I was scared to use the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually he went on to become an experienced mechanic in welding and also repairing like different vehicles, different machines and stuff like that. So people considered him brilliant since things that others deemed unfixable, he could fix it. So apparently this guy at 14 built a single cylinder automobile that was even put on display at a local museum. That's Holy awesome. Crap. Yeah. And he's actually, he's from um, British Columbia okay. in Canada. I didn't mention oh. that. So a couple of years later after that, he rebuilt a bulldozer that even the most experienced mechanics gave up on. And at 20 years old, he found a beat-up machine that some people reported as, like, an old train in the middle of, like, the fucking woods. <laughs> and he, because they lived in the, like, in the middle of nowhere yeah. in British Columbia. So he found it in the middle of nowhere and fa- made a way to get the train back to his family's farm. How? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, in this wooded area, he was just finding shit and building things back up from scratch. That's crazy. Yeah, and apparently like, people said that like the house kind of looked like a hoarding situation because he just had all this crap right. there to fix because he was just, that's all he did. That's all he had time to do. And um, yeah, he made some crazy shit apparently. Um, some of his creations were bought by people in museums, like I said earlier. Um, and later in his life, he wanted to learn more about machines that were capable of flight. Mm, So, you know, like airplanes. Okay. So he got his pilot's license and, um, got a plane to restore it. I'm not sure the plane type, it's all over the internet. I'm sure you can look it up. Yeah. So it was later bought by somebody for something around like, like $20,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Somebody wanted this aircraft. So in the late... 70s, he became obsessed with aliens and their aircrafts due to the sightings that were becoming more popular in their area. Hmm. We'll get to that later. So he actually built his own damn UFO. No, come which on. Which you can find pictures online of. He built his own his well, own UFO craft. Did it work? Was it like a saucer type situation? Yeah. So because he was obsessed with like everything that he was hearing in the news and all that stuff, he built his own. It didn't fly. It basically is like, was like a home. But he built it in the shape of the like okay. the way that he would think the saucer could fly. Okay. Yeah. So it was a USO, an un- unidentified yes. sitting object. Yes. You're gotcha. right. You're right. All right. He would talk to anybody that would listen to his rants about how he wanted to learn more about aliens and their their ships. Um, he was really interested in the the physics behind it and how they flew. So basically, he was really interested to know all things about aliens and alien technology. So naturally, you're in the 70s. People are probably like, yo, you're crazy, bro. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) probably just sitting there and just listening to this guy. And he was also, like, a big dude. Like, apparently, he was, like, over six foot, like, 250 pounds. And, like, everybody referred to him as this, like, down-to-earth, really calm Super brilliant person. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't come off as like the deranged lunatic living right. in the middle it's of the woods. Right. It's not the dude with the yeah. tinfoil tin hat. hat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you look up like direct quotes from their family and his friends, they would be like, no, he's not. He wasn't crazy. Right. You don't refer he to him as a... crazy until you hear him say like spaceman and spaceship and shit like that. Then you want to call him crazy. Yeah. But it's, it, as of right now, it just seems like more of a deep interest than. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Later on, as I've been saying this whole time, he claimed to have been contacted by aliens, like in radio frequencies and also mentally, and this continued Mm. his obsession even more. His friend later stated that Taylor said he was invited to go to space with the aliens, 
then started to do things with his friends and family, acting as if he was really about to go on this trip with the aliens. Like, he's about to leave. Like, he's like, literally about well. to leave. Yeah. Okay. Like, wow. like, bye, guys. They're coming for me. I have a plan. So, Granger Taylor went missing not long after he built his life-size model of a UFO in the backyard of his family home. Um, okay. Yeah, so he still lived with his parents as yeah. a 32-year-old. So, how did his parents yeah. feel about the UFO in the backyard? I didn't really read much about it, but I'm assuming they just supported him. Because okay. he was he yeah. was I, making a good income because everything that he was building, was people sold. were buying yeah. off of him. Then, do your thing. So, they, they said he, he got that... $20,000, and he also had a couple thousand, like $10,000 in it. So he had like $30,000 saved away. Yeah. yeah. In the afternoon following his disappearance, his stepfather discovered a note tacked to his bedroom door, laying out all of the plans that Taylor had. On the back of the note was a hand-drawn map of Waterloo Mountain, not far from the family's home. So here's the note. I have a direct quote. Took it from the internet. And he kind of couldn't spell very well. Interesting. Well, he did drop yeah. out of school. So he dropped out. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you could tell, he, like, obviously, because, like, when he spells reoccurring, he puts it exactly how I have it in there instead of, like, recurring. Oh, okay. So, like, he spells. Oh, okay. And the, some of his, like, sentence structure and stuff like that, you could tell he was just, like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, you know? So oh. here's the quote Dear mother and father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship. As reoccurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe, then return. I am leaving behind all of my possessions to you, as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. He even had a will set up. Dang, he yeah, was prepared. Yeah, we're getting to that, because wow. the, he changed shit in the will. Um, but we'll get to that because that's that's coming up in the next. Like he really was planning for this. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's he crazy. genuinely believed that these, if if it did happen, we don't know. But he genuinely believed that these aliens were coming to pick his ass up. So he was never seen again after a stormy night on November 29th, nineteen eighty. So, like we said, Taylor left behind a will, but he took time to make two alterations. He took out the word funeral completely because he knew he wasn't going to be there, mm-hmm. and. He also took out the word deceased, and it was replaced with the word departed. Interesting. Wow. All right. Yeah. So like I said, genuinely believe that he was getting taken by Yeah. Aliens. Most people think that he was just going to go kill himself because, you know, he was in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could just walk out there and just die. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, Unfortunately. But what really stood out to his family and friends was that he didn't say goodbye to his own mother who was away in Hawaii. And that apparently wasn't like him at all. Okay. He just wouldn't so do something like that. So he's a big like mama's that. boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, if, I mean, if his, you know, uber saucer is coming, he doesn't yeah. have time. He doesn't have time. So, like no. I said, like, it's just like he genuinely believes that he has to be in a certain place at a certain time for this yeah. pickup. Yeah. Anyway, people tried to look for him but couldn't find a single clue as to where he went. They couldn't even find the truck he drove that the people saw him leave in after eating at a diner um, the night of his disappearance. The family even had a reward for any info on him. Like, if you could find the truck, yeah. if you could find clothing. Because apparently Something. he left the diner without a jacket on. So everyone's like, where the fuck is jacket? And it was a stormy night. So he's going to be cold, too. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, it was wow. very bizarre. So his truck was later found on a random mountain near um, an area that he lived. It looked as if it was exploded. Oh. Like if it blew Holy up. Holy crap. So it was covered with, like, obviously vegetation and everything like that. But they did notice that it literally looked like it blew up. Wow. And people reported hearing like a loud like explosion, but they kind of thought because of the storm, maybe it was maybe a it sounded like thunder, like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah, blown up. 
There were no bodily remains found near or in the truck either. Okay. Well, that's good, I guess. So while they were looking through, they didn't see anybody or anything. Not even... I think they did say that they found, like, clothing, like, obviously from his truck, mm-hmm. but they didn't find a body part right. or anything like that. This specific mountain area was connected to a series of UFO sightings. Like I said at the beginning, it was getting popular in the yeah. area that he was living in. Um, some so famous that you could look them up. There's one story about a nurse by the name of Doreen Kendall. Um, she saw a UFO along with other staff members at a hospital that she was working at. And the aliens were inside hovering around the hospital. That's like So weird. she could see in, and these other people could see in the craft and wow. see that it was like... Holy yeah, shit. you can look that up. It's a, it's a big, long story, just as long as this one. And it's pretty freaking interesting that they could see the damn aliens. Yeah. And, and all of them reported seeing the same thing. Yeah. But anyway, he was never found, and people thought he faked his own death, along other things like, like I said, having the mental issue and dying in the mm-hmm. middle of the woods. Um, he was shy and had the tendency to be socially awkward, Taylor could be classified as eccentric by some, but that didn't mean that he was unhappy. Like, right, like yeah, I said, all exactly. of these people said that he was like a really cool person down to earth. He like had friends like in like older class and like a younger class. Like mm-hmm. one of his 15 year old friends that he was teaching how mm-hmm. to, you know, rebuild stuff yeah. was openly like, I genuinely think he was taken by aliens. Like, you know, he was like, I yeah. trust him. If he's <laughs> saying aliens are coming, I believe if they're going to pick somebody up, they're going to pick him up, you know? Wow. Which is his stepdad also said that too. Was just Dang. like if somebody's so gonna they find aliens, like, nope. he's gonna find the aliens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Interestingly, others say that he was kidnapped by the U.S. government to work in Area 51. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny I because, mean, like, really, we're gonna go take him? I mean, that would suck. There's that Robert Lazar uh, documentary on Netflix. If you've never seen it, I have never been more convinced that there's fucking aliens. <laughs> really? <laughs> like he is like the biggest science geek on the planet, and he flat out was like. This is what happened. And then, like, 20 years later, you find out, oh, yeah, that actually was what was going on. Like, they had those hand scanners wow. and blah, 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 blah. So if you have time to watch that documentary, watch it. That's What's cool. it called? It's literally, like, Robert Lazar, like, blah, 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 Aliens. Okay. Something like that on Netflix. If you literally look up, like, Bob or Robert Lazar, you're going to yeah. find him. Okay. That's cool. Such I cool. watched a really good one on the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a topic we're going to talk about yeah. upcoming. Oh, <laughs> He never took anything with him, like we said before. Like, he left his money and all of his personal items with his family, which, if you're going to, like, go, like, rogue and go live somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. You would definitely, I would. Walk away with no money. I know. Unless you're going to live in space where they don't use money. Exactly. So could he really be with aliens? Could he have been taken? Even after the 42-month trip, like we talked about, like, in his note, why did he never come back? Where is he? It's been decades since this, obviously. Like, we don't know if he's still alive. Yeah. We don't know if he's no out there in space. No one's seen him. There's no record of him. It's it, wild. it is strange that he changed stuff in his will, but he said he was going to come back. Exactly. But and they left. Whole story is strange. It was sad. The family left, like, his mom left the back door open, unlocked, for, like, months after his disappearance. Like, they were so. Just waiting for him yeah, to come back. Yeah, they were back. just waiting for him to come home. Oh, and sad. they, yeah, like, he's pronounced dead now. Like, after a couple years like they I think it was like it took six years for them to actually change like his death certificate and everything like that and they they changed his death to the day after he disappeared on November 29th his death was November 30th yeah so it's really sad that his family like never got any answers and everything like that but he tried to tell him like if he really did go with the aliens yeah I mean that's he did tell him if he really did 
Yeah. Yeah, but that story was so cool to hear about, so I had to share it as That's, my. I really cool liked story. that one. That was really <laughs> interesting. That is really cool. Well, let's go back a decade and talk about Betty and Barney Hill. Is it chasing us? That was a thought that cursed through Betty and Barney Hill's minds. I don't I, like that that is a thought going through their minds. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens fucking freak me out, yo. Like, just the thought of something that's not from this planet possibly being here and, like, wanting yep. people to study or, like... Like, if you really let your brain wander about aliens, oh, yeah. they can get really fucking freaky. Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. But that was a thought that went through their minds as they drove down the empty, winding country road in New Hampshire's White Mountains. It was a September night in 1961. They hadn't seen a car for miles, and strange light in the sky seemed to be following them. When they finally got home to Portsmouth at dawn, they were far from relieved. They felt dirty. Their watches stopped working. Barney's shoes were strangely scuffed, and Betty's dress was ripped. There were two hours of the drive that neither of them could remember. What happened? I don't like that. I do not fucking like that. Not at all. Not at that all. makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> There's a lot of UFO sighting stories and abduction stories where people have just lost hours of time. Yeah. And they just end up back somewhere, and they have no idea how they That's got there. That's just crazy. Like, that it's just weird. blows my mind. Yeah. The Hills weren't the first to spot a UFO or even report an abduction, but their story did capture the nation's imagination and was so widely publicized and it helped shape how we talk about aliens and encounters to this day. According to their subsequent reports, the couple had traveled to Zeta Reticuli, a star system 39 light years away from Earth. Betty was even inexplicably able to draw an accurate, detailed map of the sky as seen from that star. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Weird. How the hell? The Hills Road trip was a little spontaneous, but it was a well-earned break Barney decided the couple needed. As explained in The Interrupted Journey, a 1966 book they collaborated with author John G. Fuller, Barney worked a grueling night shift at the post office, driving 60 miles each way. Betty's job uh, handling state child welfare cases was no easier. The little free time the couple had was devoted to their church and activities related to the civil rights movement. They were very, you know, nice, cool, down-to-earth people who Seems were like activists it. and yeah. wanted everyone to live a better life. I feel like these um, aliens are going after a select group of people that are down-to-earth, cool, mm -hmm. cool Joneses. The down-to-earth like down are no longer on Earth. Yeah, they're just like, we want them. We don't want any of those crazies out there. <laughs> Literally, God yes. knows what. We want these people that have their shit together. They just seem cool. Yeah. After 16 months of marriage, Betty and Barney saw this trip through uh, Montreal and Niagara Falls as their delayed honeymoon. On the last night of their makeshift honeymoon, the two found themselves in a Vermont diner ready to make the last dash home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. The tired couple sipped coffee and left the diner around 10 p.m., estimating they could reach their red-framed house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. at the latest. As they drove, a strange light in the sky gave another reason to hurry. At first, it looked like a falling star, but grew larger and brighter with each mile. Barney, an avid plane watcher and World War II vet, was sure they had nothing to worry about. It's just a satellite, he assured Betty. It probably just went off course. The light seemed to move with the car as Barney steered down the curving mountain road. The light zigged and zagged, ducking past the moon and behind trees and mountain ranges, only to reappear moments later. Sometimes it seemed to move toward them in a game of cat and mouse. 
They thought that maybe it was an illusion. Maybe the car's movement made it seem like the light and them were moving in like this cat and mouse chase. Curiosity overcame them. The couple pulled over at road stops and picnic turnouts to get a closer look. Through binoculars, Betty saw that the white light was really an object spinning in the air. Barney, she told her husband, if you think that's a satellite or a star, you're being completely ridiculous. I feel like these people, like the aliens literally look for these people. Right. First off, they have binoculars. To. He's already looking at spaceships and yep. shit <laughs> in the in the sky. Yeah. And now she's like, you're crazy if you don't think that's a fucking alien. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and he was smart. He knew that she was probably right. Barney had an IQ of 140. Oh, lit. Yeah. Barney was also a pragmatic man who wouldn't give flying saucers a second thought. The night was too quiet for a helicopter, a commercial plane, or even a military jet with a hotshot pilot. He didn't want to spook Betty, but he was becoming a little bit concerned. Finally. What was this light, and why was it toying with them? About 70 miles past the diner, the object hovered just above the treetops, Mm-mm. approximately 100 feet above them. No. Barney abruptly stopped the car, keeping the engine running. Gun in hand. Because that's going to help you with the aliens. Yeah, you never know, but gun in hand, he rushed into the dark field, leaving Betty in the car. My God, what was this thing, he recalled, thinking this can't be real. As he approached the object, Barney saw what would later be described as a pancake-like disc glowing with brilliant white light that was about the size of a jet. Behind rows of windows, gray uniformed beings seemed to look right at him. He tried to lift his hand with his pistol, but somehow couldn't. A voice told him to put down his gun and binoculars. I'd be like, no, bitch. No, thank you. He had a startling thought. Were we about to be captured? Yelling hysterically, he ran back to the car and barreled down the road as Betty, you know, tracked the craft, um, craning her head outside to see, like, (laughs) where is this thing? I can just imagine Yes. And without explanation, loud rhythmic beeps sounded from the car's trunk, and the couple felt instantly drowsy and lost consciousness. Oh my god. And that's when they came to about two hours later and 35 miles (gasps) down the road. While still driving? They just, yeah. Oh my fucking god. (sighs) I hate it. The couple pulled into their driveway around dawn, unable to recall what had happened. Two hours of their memory have seemed to be wiped from their minds. Betty was absolutely convinced that they encountered a UFO and later reported the sighting to the Air Force. How could you not? Like, you know what I mean? Now, her husband was still... Because of who he is, he was still a little skeptical, even though after what had happened... He was running away from it. (laughs) I hate men sometimes, bro. (laughs) I I wasn't scared. Yeah, but it was only when the couple met with uh, psychiatrist Dr. Benjamin Simon for a consultation in December of 1963 that Barney completely changed his mind. Good. Dr. Simon found both to be suffering from crippling anxiety. Betty in particular manifested hers, quote-unquote, in the form of... Repetitive, nightmarish dreams. Dr. Simon then put them under hypnosis, which reportedly yielded highly ominous memories. So they pretty much were able to recall everything, you know, that kind of happened. And he was checking these people out and like, wow, like they're just, they're suffering. Well, like if they're lying... Why would they show signs to, like, a psychiatrist of crippling anxiety and, like, nightmarish dreams? Like, you know, like... Exactly. You know, and even if they were in denial talking to them, like, he was able to figure out, like, hey, something fucking happened to you. And this is when Barney was able to recall creatures with slanted eyes taking the couple aboard their UFO to conduct experiments on their naked bodies. Barney claimed that the beings took samples of hair, skin, and nail clippings, (gasps) 
and six-inch-long needles were inserted oh. into Betty's stomach. Why does it have to be the female oh. that gets the needles? Because they're the ones that bear children. Oh. Betty told Dr. Simon that she later asked uh, a being they knew to be their leader where they were. It jokingly replied, if you don't know where you are, then there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. Very, Sounds like, like a sassy-ass yeah. fucking alien. Yeah. Cryptic and sassy. I'll be like, let me out these things. I'll smack the shit out of you. And that's when Betty drew the star map of the sky as seen from that planet orbiting Zeta Recticuli. The accuracy of the map was absolutely startling, um, considering it's, like I said, located about 39 light years away from Earth. That's insane. This recreation of the stars surrounding the actual uh, star system remains one of the most fascinating aspects of UFO stories ever reported. The Hill's account eventually prompted the Air Force to initiate Project Blue Book, I which heard about investigates this. domestic UFO sightings. I heard about really? that. Really? Yep. Holy Other crap, ones... I didn't know that. That's in that documentary. They talk about all those those alien things. Yeah, so wow. their, in, their abduction, their encounter sparked the Air Force to launch Project Blue Book. That's insane. Crazy, right? That is insane. That was a badass story. That's cool. That's really good. Well, we're going to soar our way through a short break. Don't worry, it won't be light years, and we'll be right back. The Spooky Shop is now open for Ghost Encounters merch. Visit ghost-encounters.com and click on Spooky Shop. This episode is brought to you by The Colony Meadery. If you haven't tried mead yet, it's alcohol made from honey, and it's the fastest-growing alcoholic beverage in the United States. It's all-natural, totally gluten-free, and delicious. And one of the best meaderies in the world is right here in the Lehigh Valley. Stop in and try a flight of meads, grab some bottles or cans to go, and experience some of the best booze in the world. They've got flavors ranging from tart and quaffable lemon laws and Wu-Tang Cran to cinnamon vanilla series of tubes and even the sweet heat of their mango habanero. Learn more at either location or at colonymeadery.com. Ghost Encounters podcast and show is sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your online presence with their expert social media marketing, photography, and video productions. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If all you spooky people are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe and give us five stars. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. And we are back. Don't worry, we did not leave Earth, but we are back with more UFO abduction stories. Kayla, what story did you look up? So I have this really awesome story about a woman named Amy Rylance, which takes place over in Australia. Oh, so um, we're going overseas now. Down under, mate. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Please don't oh, sue oh, me oh. for that accent. That goes to all of Australia. Uh, <laughs> do we have Australia all of Australia? Place? Please don't we sue do. me for we do? that accent. That's awesome. Um, all right, so this story starts on October 4th, 2001. It's a pretty relaxing evening for uh, Amy and Keith Rylance. They are a married couple. They were hanging out with their friend Petra in this uh, rural town in Australia. Um, I will be honest, I'm not even going to try to say the names of where this took place because I, I spend a lot of time Googling it and it's just not going to happen. Um, but it was like this cute little vineyard, little uh, like spot of land that they had this caravan house on. Okay. So they were hanging out, having a good time with their friend Petra. 
pretty quiet, just watching TV, chatting, and around 9.30 at night, Keith decided that he was going to head to bed. Um, so they were all sitting in the living room. Keith went back down the hallway into the bedroom and closed the door, but not all the way. It was still open, just like a little crack. Mm -hmm. Petra then also decided that it was about time for her to go to bed as well. So she went down the hallway and uh, her room was off to the side a little bit more. Um, and she also left her door open, just a little crack. And Amy decided that she was not quite ready for bed, so she was going to stay up and watch TV for a little. Um, around 11 p.m., Petra noticed through the gap between her door and the living room area that there was a rectangular beam of light coming in through the living room window. Uh -oh. And what was even more alarming is that Amy's sleeping body was just like floating out the window in the beam of light. Oh my god! Get so she's seeing out. her friend. She's just floating, floating the in the light out the window, and underneath Amy's floating body were all of the contents that were just like sitting on the living room table. Just like floating underneath her, like all oh going out the window. God. Like anything that this light touched, Touch, it just kind just of floating. like. I literally be like, I'm tripping balls right now. I took too much Benadryl. <laughs> literally, or some I would shit. be like, like, what did I? Did I forget that I ingested something? Yeah. Like, oh my God. All the edibles. Literally, that's what I would think. <laughs> I I'd just not. be like, I'm just gonna. I would just be like, I'm gonna go back to bed but and act like I didn't see that. I like this story has that typical beam of light thing. Yeah. We, we haven't had that. Yeah. So it has the beam of light. Everything's floating out the window. Petra's just, like, petrified, if you will. Um, <laughs> Pun intended. Petra stared in disbelief, uh, being petrified, if you will, as she saw what she could only describe as a disc-shaped object hovering above the ground in the distance outside the caravan home. And the floating disc was indeed the light source. Wow. So there was just something out in the distance, out the window, floating with a rectangular beam of light shooting, into the shooting in and, and floating shit out the window. Wow. Petra quickly passed out after she saw this, like unconscious, hit the ground for what she believes only to be a couple of seconds. Um, after that, she came to and she started screaming for Keith, who came running out of his bedroom. Like I said, his door was cracked open a little, so it was pretty easy for him to kind of like come out and typical man. He didn't notice the light coming in through of the course cracked not. door. Uh, <laughs> of course sorry, not. Keith. Uh, <laughs> so he came running and when Keith made it out of the bedroom and into the living room area, he saw Petra just hysterical on the floor and all of the contents from the living room table were just like strewn all over the floor yeah. by the window. Upon a closer look, Keith also noticed that the screen of the window was just, like, completely slashed open at, oh, like, no. the bottom oh, of no. it. Like, two just vertical slashes huh. at the bottom of the screen. They literally took her ass. Yeah. They claimed her. And I feel like all the contents really, like, piled up by this freaking window. Yeah, That's it's crazy. all just sitting on the floor by the window, and there's, like, a hole in it where it was cut open. That's, That's crazy. insane. So he went outside immediately and was like, well, I need to go find my wife, which, like, good move on you, Keith, because I know a lot of people that would have been like, not my problem, and barricaded themselves <laughs> yeah. in the bedroom. Me being win. one of them. <laughs> um, and he came back in shortly to Petra, who had calmed down a little bit at this point. Mm -hmm. Still no sign of Amy. When Petra explained to Keith um, what she had seen... Keith was like, there's no way that's what you saw. Like, I'm sorry, but there's just absolutely no way that a beam of light floated my wife's ass out of this house. Right, I mean, like, where is she? first case is denial on that. Exactly. Like, and especially because they're sleeping. So, like, when you wake up, you're yeah. like, like well, you probably were still dreaming right, or whatever right, right. you saw. Like, some, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is, like, a rural area um, vineyard. So, it's just, like 
crops. Yeah, open country. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. there's not a lot happening. So Keith went outside and there's like no signs of anyone, no sign of anyone. So where the hell is she? Right. If no someone had no shown tracks, up like, to yeah. take her, there would be tire tracks, foot tracks, like she would have taken something if she was just going to up and run away. Right. Nothing was missing. Myth- also probably was screaming if yes. she like if, yeah. if, like somebody came in to take exactly. her. Exactly. Right. Person no one heard anything thing, being like, asked out. Like, yep. Lock you yeah. Out. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So once he kind of fought with Petra and was like, I don't know what to tell you. There's no way that's what happened. He did decide to call the police. Smart. um, Because he was like, well, there's no explanation. We got to alert the authorities at this point. Yeah. Um, Police were called just before midnight and they automatically assumed there was foul play to be involved, um, which typically if you have a husband and a the female friend and the wife just yeah. randomly went missing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, we've seen enough come true on. crime <laughs> stories yeah, to exactly. think. Yeah. I know what they're thinking. So yeah. the police were automatically like, oh yeah, your wife just went missing and this other woman's just sleeping in that. Okay, mm-hmm. right. But Keith and Amy were like, well, what if we told you she was abducted by aliens? At this point, Keith is like, I don't have any other explanation, so right. I'm just going to go with whatever Petra right. has to say. And he's like, well... Here it is. And he puts it all out there, what they found. Police are a little skeptical, but they're searching the area around. They're like, all right, whatever. And while the police are searching the house, Keith receives a phone call from an unknown woman stating that she had just picked up a very distressed female from a gas station and took her to the hospital. However, this woman indicated that when she picked up this woman, who we now know as Amy, Mm -hmm. she was over 500 miles away. No. What the fuck? That's like an airplane. Like, you yeah, have to get you, in an airplane to go pick her ass up. How did you travel that far in a day? For reference, <laughs> she was nearly an eight-hour drive if you're going, like, 60 miles per hour. And not stopping. And not stopping from the place that she was just seen at 9.30 p.m. Wow. That's insane. She got in, in what a freaking spacecraft. Fuck? She was in a craft. Yeah. So... When police spoke with Amy, the last thing she could recall at the home was being on her sofa. Yeah. She said, I don't know, I was just watching TV. And then I remembered sitting on some kind of like bench or bed-like thing in an empty white room where a man roughly six feet tall appeared in a full body suit of some type, all black, wearing a black face covering with two holes cut out for where the being's eyes would have been, the nose, and the mouth would be. The figure spoke to her calmly, telling her they could not drop her where they picked her up from as the lights weren't right. I personally think that means they saw that the cops were there and there were too many cop car lights. Oh, oh. I didn't even... I it wasn't dark. The lights weren't okay. right. I think there was too much light and they knew that they couldn't just drop her. Yeah. So, he said, no, the lights weren't right, but we are going to drop you off somewhere nearby. She remembers getting very tired after hearing this, and the next thing she knew, she was awake on the ground around a whole bunch of branches, like, in the middle of the woods. Wow. She got up and started walking, finally saw a highway, started walking down the highway into the gas station where this woman ended up calling her husband. Um, Naturally, everyone assumed that she was, like, on drugs or drinking or something. She's disheveled. She doesn't know where she is. Like, it's a whole thing. Um, But... She was very adamant, no, like, I was at home, sleeping on my sofa. I do not know how I got here. Keith and Petra did end up hightailing it to go meet up with her. Um, The cops did put 
Amy in a motel right down the road from the gas station. Um, so once Keith and Petra traveled there, they got there the next morning, afternoon. They were talking to her and they started telling Amy about what Petra saw. Yeah. It was at that point that they went into a very deep, lengthy discussion about what everyone believes to have happened. Um, there were a lot of photos taken, lots of notes written down uh, that Keith and Amy to this day still have. And there were even photos taken that there were um, some triangular marks found on Amy's right thigh mm. that they still don't really know what those were from, um, but they did take photos of that. Amy also did state that she felt like she had been wherever she was for a much longer period of time than she actually would have been gone in our time as she did have colored hair and her roots had started to grow out by the time that she had come back from wherever wow. she was. Yeah, like I, did, I did read that. Um, yeah, and she even started, like, growing, like, stubble on her legs yeah. that were previously shaven. Um, wow. So, so it's like, just, days have passed, yeah. not, like, hours. No, it wasn't like, oh, I thought I was gone for two hours and I was gone for ten. Like, she, her hair days. was growing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so she really was pretty uncomfortable with that, and they did take photos of that. So the fact that that happened makes me very that's uncomfortable yeah. like, like, that's unexplainable that yeah. is that's the thing it's like i've been coloring my hair since third grade and there's like you know how fast your hair grows out yeah. <laughs> like you know when it's time to do your roots again and for your roots to just randomly grow out like i don't know how much but even just noticeable growth in a day yeah. is, yeah. is wild yeah. so Keith and Amy did reach out to a scientist who specializes in research on solid light sightings um, from UFOs. So basically what they were describing coming through the window, right, that yeah. solid white beam. Um, there are investigators who specialize in just those kinds of sightings. And the man that they called, his name was Bill Chalker. And when Bill and the researcher uh, Diane Harrison came to the location of the abduction... Keith and Amy became unresponsive. Um, they stopped returning phone calls. No text messages were being huh. answered. Um, Bill and Diane were aware that they were not going to be at the property as they were not comfortable going back there. However, um, a neighbor had been taking care of the pets that they had at the house. So they were like, you're welcome to go, but we don't want to. Yeah. Um, so they came and checked out the area. They did note that there was some vegetation by the window where the um, like light came in that looked like it was dead or fried, and they think that it was just from sunlight, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. They don't think it has anything to do with the UFOs. But they did check out the whole thing. They didn't really see anything that they thought was alarming. I mean, what's there to be left behind? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't so, land, it, it's just beaming you up. Yeah, there's nothing, there's to, nothing to really see. Yeah. So they decided that they were gonna leave on day two, and on day two, they received a phone call from Keith and Amy stating that they had to immediately relocate to an unnamed location as they had a men in black situation with people chasing them. Oh no. Yeah, I heard that they were like threatening them and you know, kind of like telling them to hush hush and don't say anything about what happened. Right, oh damn. Yeah, so these men were just like hightailing it, chasing them around, so they had to leave the motel that they were staying in and go hide. And that is the last update that we have on Keith and Amy. Wow. Um, That's I crazy. would just like to say that most of this information does actually come directly from Diane Harrison, who has a whole article posted on her mm -hmm. um, UFO casebook that she has. Um, so if you are interested in that, highly suggest reading that she's got a lot more details in there. 
Um, but that's really like the gist of the whole abduction. That's crazy. To but if you want to learn though. more about like yeah. the actual site, her article has a lot of information about the actual site that's where cool. it happened. You can see pictures and stuff. Like yeah, that. there's that's pictures. Cool. There's uh, like the actual names of where it took place. So if you want to go visit it at some point, I'm not sure if you can, but any Australians that are yeah. intrigued. It's like, if you were lying, would you really go this far? Like, would you really, yeah. like, you change your name? You had a nice life on like, the vineyard. Would exactly. You really, yeah, like, would yeah. you really Destroy change your that? name and, like, go live now somewhere Now they're just living in motels, like, from motel because to motel hiding. Because they haven't been heard from in, like, two decades. Like, mm-hmm. you know? This happened in 2001. Yeah. yeah. And so Diane could, still to this day yeah. says... Yeah. Exactly. Diane still to this day says that this case is far from being closed. Oh, yeah. But there hasn't been any updates. I love hearing about the Men Black stuff. It's wild. Like, people are, like, coming after it. It's crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's wild. So both my story and Kayla's story happened on a stormy night. Like, maybe because of, like, flashes from, like, lightning or something, they could, like... Disguise themselves? Yeah, and, like, or, sounds and rain and all that or stuff. Or maybe whatever is powering their aircraft causes electrical disturbances. Yeah, and, I never thought you know, of it until... Like that. I never thought about that until, we like, I read mine and hers. Because I actually was looking into hers. But yeah, it's really interesting and really cool. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about is Travis Walton, and this story actually inspired the movie entitled A Fire in the Sky. I never saw that movie. Very interesting. Okay. We should watch it. Okay. Yes, we should. Travis Walton disappeared for five days after witnessing a strange light while on a logging job with six other men. His co-workers confirmed that it was an alien spacecraft that abducted Walton using a tractor beam. So here we have another beam... Yeah. Coming out of a spaceship and abducting someone. Walton returned with no memory of the time he was gone and revealed that he was held on the ship, interrogated, and experimented on by three bald beings with large eyes. His story was so captivating that it was later used for the film A Fire in the Sky in 1993. November 5th, 1975 was an ordinary day for 22-year-old Travis Walton until that evening changed his life forever. After a long day at work in the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest, Travis and his logging crew of six were driving home when they saw a bright glow through the trees. As they got closer driving down the dirt road, they realized the light was coming from a structured craft. Overcoming with curiosity, here we go, another person curious, Yeah. Travis jumped out of the truck before it even stopped and began approaching the craft. In a matter of seconds, he was hit by a bluish-green beam of light coming from the bottom of the craft and sent flying several feet away. The beam was so intense that it lit up the entire forest brighter than daylight. The witnesses described the beam as similar to lightning or a blue flame. Travis did not even see the beam himself. In a panic, the crew boss and driver of the truck, Mike Rogers, fled the scene as quickly as possible. They left him there? Yep. They're like, fuck this, we're out. (laughs) We were just talking about that in the the other story. (laughs) Minutes later, the crew decided to return to the site to help Travis if they could. To everyone's surprise, Travis was gone. The crew looked for a while, but could not find him, and with no hope or earthly explanation, the crew drove into town and contacted the local sheriff. They explained what they had witnessed as best as they could and told authorities that a flying saucer had taken their friend, Travis Walton. In an effort to prove them wrong, the sheriff conducted a thorough search in the area along with Mike Rogers, but did not find any clues as to where Travis could be. Basically, the sheriff was like, dude, you guys are lying. Yeah. Go ahead. Let, go, go ahead. Show me. Let's go look to yeah. see what happened. But Definitely. like as we said, 
if a flying saucer is going to take you, there's not any evidence to be seen anywhere. Yeah, it's so literally what you... flying above exactly. the ground. Like, there's no tracks or anything. Yeah. In the days Walton went missing, all six of his co-workers were accused of murder. With no other explanation, Mike Rogers and the rest of the crew stuck to their story. Well, I mean, if it's the true story, I would stick to it anyway. You know right. what I mean? Like, you're just telling what you know. As far as they were concerned, they witnessed a UFO shoot a beam at Travis and knock him to the ground before he suddenly vanished. Authorities utilized scent dogs and helicopters to scour the area for five days without any luck. Just when it seemed like the search was hopeless, just after midnight on Monday, November 10th, 1975, Travis was found lying by the side of a road. So just like the other chick, yeah. who was just dropped off in a random area, so was he. He was kind of just plopped somewhere. He was miles from where he was taken, and he recalled uh, waking up to a metallic, mirror-like craft departing overhead. Overcome with fear, he ran to the nearest phone booth at a local gas station and called his family. He was met with shock and disbelief when his family informed him that he had been missing for five days. Travis was immediately taken to a hospital and found that he was dehydrated and noticed a puncture wound on his right arm. He had also lost 12 pounds and had grown five days worth of facial hair. Five of the six witnesses passed polygraph tests in the days Travis was gone. One of the witnesses, Alan uh, Dallas, was uh, his test was inconclusive. He and Travis had gotten into a fight the morning of the incident and felt overly agitated that police were trying to pin the crime on him. So it's not that he failed. Yeah. It was just that his heart rate was probably too high and it was yeah, just Yeah, because he was probably just pissed hearing the guy's name at that point. Well, and yeah. you know, if you're if you're sweating or if you're getting agitated or your heart's racing differently, it's yeah. gonna fuck up that, exactly. that test. But all the others passed with flying colors. Travis himself also passed a polygraph test, and medical records indicated no drugs were in his system. Here's a quote from Travis. I became conscious inside the craft, and I believe I was in the hospital. I was in a lot of pain, and as I became more conscious, I looked around and saw alien beings, and I just panicked. They were much smaller than me, and I think that's the reason they gave up. He said, adding to that, that he actually hit one of them, and once they found out they couldn't control him, they kind of just split. He said, I was absolutely terrified. So he fought them. He was like, screw this, I'm taking you out. That's insane. <laughs> He's like, get him away, bitch. Just and then, like, and then these aliens were like, ah, shit, I just drop him off. I feel like <laughs> it's it's odd to hear that they're smaller. Yeah, because usually you hear that they're bigger. Yeah, like tall, like yeah. skinny little creatures. But there are a lot of similarities between this story and all the other stories. Yeah, absolutely, today. absolutely. Many people remain skeptical, and some believe that the whole incident was a hoax. Despite these accusations, Travis and his crew maintain their story and stand by it to this day remains one of the most well-known and controversial UFO stories in history. Curiously, however, later research conducted at the site of uh, Walton's abduction showed an unusual growth rate in the trees where the craft had allegedly hovered. Kayla said that in her story, that um, there's weird. They, they tried to say that it wasn't because of the craft, but that's kind of weird. Now that it's in your story, they said that it increased yeah. vegetation, so maybe they were onto something looking at that. And listen to this, so... Scientists came in and did some studies, and they found that the trees near the site were found to be producing wood fiber at a rate of 36 times greater than they had decades before. Oh my gosh. Just that area. Those botanists were flipping. How weird is that? 
That is crazy. To this day, Travis still, um, you know, speaks at UFO stuff, and, like, he's very well-known throughout the community, and still to this day sticks to the same story. Oh, shit, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, they passed a polygraph test, so they obviously, right? obviously believe, believe it. that this happened to them. Yeah, and it's not like it was one person passing a test. And yeah. That, like, you can look... What is it, you five can, of them? Yeah. Five of them passed with flying colors, That's and the one crazy. was just inconclusive. Inconclusive. It wasn't that he failed. And he passed himself. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. But imagine that terror. Like, you see this thing, you get near it, you're knocked out, and you wake up inside of it, and there's fucking aliens, yeah. like, probing you and poking at you and shit. Like, and, like, the recovery after that. Like, I oh would be God. so stressed that they would somehow be able to find me again. Or pick me up again. Yeah, and then do have to do everything all over again. That that must have been crazy stressful. Yeah. Just to, just even if it didn't happen and you believe that it happened, like, you're still going to be stressed out about them coming back. But after these stories, I don't know. I'm... I've always believed in aliens. There's <laughs> I'm, no I'm a bit convinced way. that some of this stuff, it's a stuff of strange. There's I'm no a way we're the that. only beings in the universe. Well, no, definitely not. No way. And I think a lot of people know that, but a lot of people are still skeptical about aliens and UFOs visiting Earth. But after some of these stories, like, it's just weird, If man. they have all this technology and they can, you know, fly without being heard and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but <clears throat> Taylor and I did see a UFO. Taylor? I feel like they're on to something because Taylor sees them with Keith all the time too, her boyfriend. Yeah. She sees them with Keith all the time. They both that? witnessed a UFO sighting together and texted us freaking out. Yeah, I remember that. But do you remember when we were on a trip, we were coming back from uh, Ocean City, Maryland, and it was late at night. Mm -hmm. um, I was driving. Taylor was in the front seat with me because she was staying awake. You and Paige, I think, were asleep in Probably. the back seat. And we saw... She noticed it first, obviously. She's looking at that kid. Looks <laughs> She's all looking over the for it, you know. Place. And she says, "I think there's a UFO." Yeah, because I remember like, you woke what? us up and we were. And all drowsy. I woke them all up to try to get them to see it too, but they were a little drowsy. But it was three lights in a triangular form, and they were not breaking off from this triangular form. So yeah. it looked like, like as you like concentrated your eyes, it looked like you could see one large triangular craft yeah i remember this and it was just gliding along the sky kind of following us it wasn't there was no sound it wasn't like moving oddly it was just hovering these are seen all by. over the place and then before you know it like i i, I lost it couldn't find it it was, it was gone. gone it was gone and those it wasn't on, that far away. Those are on, like, if you go on YouTube and you look up, like, three triangular lights, you, UFO, it's, a, and it that's is, exactly, it's the same thing that you saw, yeah. Exactly how I could describe it is what you would see on those things, because it's exactly how it was. Yeah. And it was just, boom, gone. That's and it wasn't crazy. that far away. Like, like it was noticeably, like, I don't know, maybe 100 feet above the tree line. Yeah. It wasn't that far, and all of a sudden it was gone. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. What an intense experience. Well, if any of you out there listening have witnessed UFOs, please write to us and send us send us your story. I would love to know if I would any love of to hear you yeah. have seen a UFO or or if you have been abducted by aliens. Yeah, I would love to hear that too. You know? I'm sure that will be crazy. Well, going past the aliens a little bit, we are on to the part of the podcast for the spooky fan story. Spooky fan story. I see in your notes that Daisy, we have Daisy part two. I am yes. so excited because I enjoyed Daisy's part mm -hmm. one. So I'm really excited to hear this. Jordan, when you are ready, take away our spooky fan story from Daisy. Yeah. So since I was out the last podcast, I didn't get to share Daisy's story. 
So she gave me another little part to her crazy ass paranormal life. <laughs> um, so, and she gave us a little title quote, When I moved to Bethlehem. I love how she always adds them. <laughs> so here we go. When I first moved here, we moved into an older house that an elderly woman sold us. It was this house that we experienced weird stuff. My sister and I lived in the attic. We found a door of sorts on the wall that once pushed aside led to a small hole. Inside was empty, just debris, but we didn't notice it right away. When my dad noticed it, he sealed the hole and made it into a single wall. So I'm assuming that like, okay. he just yeah. spackled and covered it. Yeah. But while we were in the attic, we would hear footsteps as if somebody was either walking or climbing the stairs, oh. which always happens a lot at night. My sister would wake up with bruises and experience scratches no. and always felt a presence on top of her. Oh my God. That's freaking creepy. Holy shit. <laughs> at first, I didn't get anything on my body until later I woke up with a bruise. I also felt somebody pull on my leg too. Wow. After all these weird experiences, we did get the house blessed twice, but it really didn't do much. We recently got the house blessed again because we kept hearing voices in the house, but they sounded like our own names. That's not good. For example, I was in my brother's room, and I swear I heard my own name, but it didn't sound like my siblings. I yelled for them to answer again, but there was only silence. I stayed in that room until my brother came home, just to find out that I was all alone in the house, not knowing everybody went out. Oh my god, imagine that. That's freaky as hell. Right? My brother heard his own name said too at night when he slept in the living room. And he said it sounded like it came from the corner of the room. That would scare the shit yeah. out of me. Like if I'm in the dark, like dozing off on the couch and somebody's just like, Jordan. Yeah, I would be like, I would literally <laughs> lose my mind. This part of her story is really interesting. So she says... There was this one time I saw something down the street of my house. It looked like a white figure, sort of human-shaped. This was at night when I was outside playing around with my siblings. The shape appeared in the middle of the street, and the minute I saw it, I ran to my brother freaking out, which is exactly <laughs> what I would do. <laughs> we took a walk around and didn't see anything. No one else saw the figure afterwards, and I never saw it again. But thanks for letting me share my stories. Stay spooky. Oh, I that love her so ending. Cute. That's weird. Like, uh, I am so sorry you have to deal with a presence that is causing bruises and scratches. That's awful to have to live with. And the sheer, like, terror of hearing your name being called. Yeah, that would freak me out. From another room or Because it's like they the almost That's... know you personally now. Yeah. And I'm sure they do. You hear the name of the person, like, when you're like, living in your house. And to see this white humanoid figure, and, just... and like she's the only one that saw it. Like, is it is that the spirit that's in the house? But it's actually not in the house. It's like attracted to her. Like, you Who know, knows? is she yeah. the one that has some sort of like attachment, and it's following her around, even that's if it's weird. not like a a demonic well, maybe entity. Her and her sister. Like maybe yeah, maybe it's just somebody that like doesn't really know how to understand. It's a spirit, and it's just attached to her. Like, pay attention to me. But you never know. Like. She has some weird shit that happens to her all the time. This is her life. Like, we just got two stories, two yeah. big stories from well, her. Well, if you and your family are up for it, we can do an investigation and do a full episode of Ghost Encounters at your house. Oh, my gosh. I hope she listens just putting it and out talks there. to me about this. <laughs> I hope she is like, heck yeah, let's do this. That would be awesome. Daisy, thank you again for sharing that story. That was probably 
might be my favorite spooky fan story so far. Yeah, there have been. They've all been really good. Yeah. But this one is. Uh, Hearing your own name really really lingers with you. So that's really creepy. And thank you, Daisy. We really appreciate it. And I hope that everybody sends in more fan stories. Because I want to hear everything. Yes, I want more spooky fan stories. Don't forget to send your spooky fan stories to ghostencounterstories at gmail.com. You can message us on social. Whatever you want. We can make it anonymous. But please, if you have ever encountered a spirit... Uh, paranormal phenomena, aliens, whatever it may be, send in Anything your stories. Anything freaky. We'll, yeah. we'll literally read any story that has to do with something crazy that happened to you. Exactly. And thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to give us five stars wherever you are listening at. Unfortunately, it is time for us to depart. Oh, I don't want to do it. Well, I do want to depart. But I mean, I don't want to leave this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. Stay spooky. Keep an eye in the sky. I hope the aliens fucking take me.